hour number two, the Pete Callender Show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Happy Monday. Dreary as it is. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, you can also uh, send me an email, Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, which just reminded me I haven't actually checked it in a little while. So I apologize if you've been sending emails. <laughs> haven't looked at it uh, actually for the whole first hour. My bad. My bad. Real professional, Pete. So, all right, uh, Judge Summerhays, Robert Summerhays. This is the federal judge that on Friday temporarily blocked the Biden administration from ending the Title 42 public health order today. So he made the ruling on Friday. Title 42 was supposed to go into effect today. But it is not because he stopped it. Okay. Um, In the order, he said that the record supports the state's position, the states that sued, that the termination order would result in increased border crossings and, based on the government's estimates, the increase might be as high as threefold. He also agreed with states that lifting Title 42 would increase costs on health care and education, and he said the government did not even dispute that claim, the federal government. In sum, he says, the plaintiff states have demonstrated that the termination order will affect their quasi-sovereign interests based on its impact on their health care systems and their interest in the health and welfare of their citizens. The Biden administration had predicted as many as 18,000 migrants per day could cross the border once Title 42 was lifted. That is a number that would have overwhelmed Uh, Border Patrol, Customs and Border Patrol. Washington Examiner cites the latest status report filed by the Department of Homeland Security under federal court order as part of litigation with Texas over Biden's decision to end the remain in Mexico policy. So now they're having to give these status reports. That's why we know these numbers is because they got sued. According to DHS data filed with the court, the use of Title 42 to expel migrants fell. From 109,000 plus, almost 110,000, down to like 97,000. Despite an increase in the overall number of migrants, which is now somewhere, it's over a quarter of a million. That's in, that's just one month, one month difference there. The use of Title VIII to process migrants rose from 111,000 to 137. It's a different title, not Title 42, this is Title VIII. In other words, what does this mean? Don't don't worry about the numbers. I mean, yes, well, yeah, okay. Worry about the numbers. But what's going on is Homeland Security has been phasing out the use of Title 42 in favor of Title 8, which appears to have been the plan all along. Uh, This is from John Sexton at hotair.com. He says, in other words, almost all of the migrants that were apprehended under, under Title 8 wind up in the United States while their cases become part of a huge backlog of immigration proceedings that'll take several years to process. The backlog is 1.7 million cases. That's the backlog. By the time those proceedings end, it's likely few of the people who have been living here 
that long will ever have been removed or will be removed. Unless, of course, they commit some violent crime and they're caught. Migrants know this, know that their chances of being in the U.S. forever are pretty good once Title 42 ends. That makes it likely that the number of people traveling to the border is just going to keep on going up. This has posed a bit of a problem for some Democrats who don't want people to know that they're kind of sort of okay with the uh, quasi-open borders. I have, uh, this is uh, Representative uh, Vicente Gonzalez. I have made my concerns regarding the lifting of Title 42 very clear. He is a Texas Democrat from a district that runs from the border up to near San Antonio. He is quoted in the Washington Times as a Senator Mark Kelly, another Democrat from Arizona, who said his constituents have, quote, paid the price for Washington's policy failures. Now, the White House is kind of slow walking their challenge to this judge's order. Now, they're totally going to appeal. Oh, mm, I can't believe this judge blocked us. Ah, so mad. Although the Justice Department announced it would appeal, it has not filed a motion yet to stay the judge's ruling. The White House yesterday declined to comment on the decision, instead saying only that the president continued to believe that it's time for the policy to end, which is kind of weird because the COVID numbers kind of going back up again, right? Starting to see some rumblings out of the blue staters who are like, we might need to mask up again. Title 42 was instituted at the start of the pandemic by the Trump administration. And it was a powerful tool that the Border Patrol agents were able to use. The CDC, the agency that triggers Title 42, concluded that illegal immigrants presented a new vector for COVID-19 cases and the dangers of holding them in cramped border facilities for hours or days, that that was an even bigger risk for spread. So that was why they said, we can't do this. In April, the CDC concluded that illegal immigrants no longer pose as high a risk for COVID-19. COVID is so smart. It is like the most smartest virus ever. It's amazing. It knew if you were sitting or standing. It knew if you were at a a a, a club, like a just a bar, uh, versus say a restaurant that sold alcohol too, right? It, it knew the difference. It knew that if you went out into the streets and screamed and yelled and got pepper sprayed for racial justice and to protest police shootings, uh, that you know, and you would start coughing up a lung and hacking and wheezing on everybody around you. COVID knew that your cause was righteous, and COVID would not smite thee. However, if you went to church and started singing some of the hymns, smitten, smited, it would smite thee. It knew. That's why we had to shut down the churches, right? It knew that if you sat down at the table, you could not contract COVID. But if you got up to walk to the bathroom, COVID, 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 everywhere. That's how it got you. So smart. So now it knows that if you're crossing the border illegally into America, no longer, I'm not going to infect these people. Look, they're they're traveling across the desert. It's a very difficult journey. Uh, You know, I'm not going to add to their problems. It's such a nice virus. I mean, aside from the killing of all the people and such. In the weeks since, infection rates have actually risen 
again in America, while the numbers are still low in the countries that are uh, sending a lot of the migrants. In April, Customs and Border Protection tallied more than a quarter of a million illegal immigrants nabbed at the border. 234,000 in April. One month. About 202,000 of them were caught by Border Patrol agents as they sneaked across, and another 32,000 were encountered by officers as they showed up at border crossings but lacked permission to enter. About half were quickly released into America. So about half of the nabbed migrants, unauthorized immigrants, uh, were turned o- released into America. 20,000 more were turned over to Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Um, most of those ICE transfers, though, are also being released. That means that the success rate of illegal immigrants in managing to gain a foothold in America right now is better than a 50-50 shot. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so there is a theme between the border crisis and what we're seeing with the uh, Supreme Court justices that are now uh, under threat. Government officials are investigating threats to uh, the U.S. Supreme Court justices. Daily Wire reports that uh, these threats include murder, uh, burning down or storming the court. Also attacking houses of worship. These threats, quote, are likely to persist and may increase leading up to and following the issuing of the court's official ruling uh, in the Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs case. Okay. According to a May 13th Department of Homeland Security memo. Nationwide protests and demonstrations have followed the leak of Justice Samuel Alito's draft opinion which is, quote, an unflinching repudiation of Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 decision that made abortion a federal right. Um, The document, which is not final, it was a draft opinion, um, has been confirmed as, um, as legit, right? Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed the draft document is real, but... Uh, it said, but he also noted that it did not represent the Supreme Court's final decision. Later in the story, many on the right have speculated that the draft opinion was leaked by a progressive Supreme Court clerk in an effort to intimidate the court and change its decision. Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, Republican, uh, gave a lengthy interview to Daily Wire about a whole bunch of different topics and This was one of the topics that came up, and he criticized lawmakers who have remained silent on the threats to the justices and to the court. He said, quote, when you don't stand up against those folks in your own party or in your centers of influence, the credibility is lost. They have to stand up and say that's wrong. This is not the way we address the issue. The White House did issue a statement condemning, quote, acts of violence, threats, or vandalism after vandals set fire to a pro-life clinic in Wisconsin writing, uh, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. They wrote that on the clinic wall. But the White House has not actually discouraged protesters from demonstrating at the homes of the justices. Former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, who's 
No longer circling back to anybody anymore, uh, at least in the White House press briefings. She told, uh, what, Peter Ducey, remember the audio? We played that a couple of uh, days back. Uh, She said that uh, Biden's view is, oh, there's just a lot of passion. You know, they should be able to be out there and First Amendment, blah, blah, blah. Even though it's against the law. That's the thing that really kills me. It's against the law. You're not allowed to do that. You're trying to intimidate judges. You're trying to influence the proceedings of a of a case by threats, intimidation. That that's and it's clearly against the law. And yet nobody is trying to enforce it. No one's trying to do anything about that. Just like the border. For years, for years, we've talked about the breakdown in the rule of law. And rule of law is superior to rule of man. Because when you're, when, you know, what's allowed and what's not is dictated by the guy in charge or the, sorry, the person in charge. I don't want to ascribe any kind of gender or gender identity or anything like that. Right. So whoever it is in charge, and if they get to make the rules as they see fit whenever they want to change their mind, they're free to do so. It's chaos, it's tyranny. So that's the benefit of rule of law versus rule of man. I thought we were all on board with this. I thought that this was one of the things that kind of united us all together as Americans, that we have the laws, you want to change the laws, this is how you do it, right? But what's become very clear is either by design or by just a colossal catastrophic failure in the government education system, uh, a lot of people don't actually share this view any longer. They prefer to go with the, I guess, I'm not even going to say might makes right. Uh, I'm just going to go with uh, I scream the loudest and so I'm right. Is that the idea? Just if I show up at your house and just scream until I rupture a blood vessel in my neck, then I win, right? That's how that works. Is that? I think that's the standard now. Congressman Dan Bishop has some thoughts on this. We'll play some of the audio uh, that he is. Uh, yeah, he's been providing this uh, in various hearings, and it goes back a couple days. So I'm going to give you the setup. I'm going to give you the payoff. And then the Charlotte Observer editorial board member who's really, really upset that Dan Bishop engaged in a line of questioning with witnesses, asking them to define a woman. Oh, she's very upset. Or, sorry, the person is very upset. I don't want to ascribe any kind of gender to person. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, going over the the breakdown in the rule of law in our society. It's usually the common thread in so many of the stories that we discuss. And you got the border crisis. Even in the first hour, talking about Michael Sussman, the lawyer for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Right. I mean, think about how long ago that was. Seven years ago. Right. It's 2016. Been seven years almost. 
Sorry, six years. I was told there would be no math. All right, so here's what happened. Okay, I actually, I, I drank, I like coffee, and I drank a pot of the French press. We were out at a restaurant last night meeting some friends, and they all get some beverages, and I'm driving, so I don't, and I get, oh, they have French press coffee. Why, I don't mind if I do. And then, of course, they bring you the whole French press. And so, I mean, it's not a big one, but it was like, you know, Two or three cups worth, three cups. It was three cups. And so, yes, yeah, so I was up late because I had the caffeine. And then, right, I did, so that's why, I, that's what I'm going to blame the bad math on. Because, yes, I can subtract 12, you know, six from 12. I can do that. Uh, so Illinois Democrat Senator Richard Derman, he's actually been one of the few Democrats in his party to forcefully condemn the protests out front of the uh, Supreme Court justices' homes. Pro-abortion activists have promised a, quote, summer of rage as they prepare for an impending decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, the Dobbs case. Quote, we will be ungovernable until this government starts working for us, until the attacks on our bodies let up, until the right to an abortion is codified into law. According to Women's March President Rachel Carmona. Tim Scott urged pro-life Americans to meet this kind of rhetoric and the uh, incoming summer of rage with dignity and faith. Quote, I believe in the power of prayer. It continues to work in my life. I would say we should all pray for our adversaries. Be ready to defend yourself with affection, with love, and with the power and the resolve of your convictions. We don't back down from what we believe. We will not be intimidated into a small corner in any room We're going to stand outside. We're going to shout to the top of our voices about what we believe in, what we have, uh, what we have our convictions on. Okay, that's the whole quote. If pro-life Americans behave this way, he said, the contrast will be remarkable between, quote, those who want to uh, those who want rage to fill the air and the screens of TV and those who are powerful and positive and committed to showing that peace does lead to life. Okay. So that's what Tim Scott is presenting. Now, Congressman Dan Bishop got to go back a couple of weeks when the protests first started and before they actually held the hearing. Dan Bishop was in committee, Judiciary Committee, and he made the following comments. We've come a long way. There's been a lot of discussion here, but I think there's something yet to be said to frame where we are with this bill with the leak on the Supreme Court, with the mobs outside justices' houses seeking to intimidate them. Um, It is part of a pattern, and um, it is a continuing pattern. It's not done, it's not nearly done yet. In fact, I understand this committee has announced that next week there will be a hearing in the House Judiciary Committee on the Dobbs case that is pending before the United States Supreme Court. This this body, the, the Democrat majority, is deciding to conduct a hearing while the committee is not in order. Members should mute. All right, so that was Nadler. <laughs> so, <laughs> members should mute. So, yeah, somebody interrupted. They didn't mute the Zoom. Okay, so Dan Bishop saying this is part of a pattern. It is. Is going to conduct a hearing on top of the leak. 
On top of this hearing, which is aimed, as Mr. Roy aptly summarized, at intimidating Justice Thomas, retaliating against him, and they're going to have another hearing. I wonder if that's ever been done before. When, when a hearing, when, it, when a matter is, is pending on the court's calendar for a, and a, a decision to be ended, uh, issued before the end of the term, and this extraordinary circumstance, of course, you couldn't have a precedent for a hearing after an opinion, draft opinion's been leaked because that's never been done before. But that's what we're going to see. We're going to see yet another, and it's going to continue. All of these, in, no institutional norm will be respected by the Democrat majority. Whether it's the Democrat majority of 1958, or the Democrat majority in California now, or the Democrat majority here, power, winning. Remember what Lindsey Graham said at the conclusion of the Kavanaugh hearings? You just want power and you will do anything, anything at all. So you're not concerned about justices' personal dresses being leaked. You're glad to pack the court. You, you can't be embarrassed about it. I mean, FDR, it was recognized to be corrupt by Democrats in his time. Not today. Not today. All right, so that... That is the foundation off of which Dan Bishop then builds at the next committee meeting. He mentioned, because this was like a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that we're about to have another hearing. The Judiciary is uh, Committee is going to hold a hearing on the case that the Supreme Court is hearing, is deciding right now, in an obvious attempt to sway the outcome of the court's opinion. That's what he's talking about. And he's talking about how no institutional norm will be respected by the Democrat majority. Keep that in mind. It's going to come in handy in a minute. We're going to listen to the uh, exchange that Dan Bishop engaged in at the last week's hearing. North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop at the Judiciary Committee meeting a couple of weeks ago. You heard the audio there talking about Democrats have this pattern. This is part of a pattern. No institutional norm will be uh, respected by the Democrat majority in its pursuit of power. And he, uh, you know, talked about or, or cited Lindsey Graham, who at the end of the Kavanaugh hearing said that. And he said, God, I hope you don't ever get it. Right. And that's what we're seeing. Just the naked pursuit of power by any means necessary. Laws be damned. The breakdown of the rule of law. So I I brought that up because that uh, those comments that Bishop made two weeks ago inform his line of questioning last week at the Judiciary Committee meeting where they took up abortion rights because of the Dobbs case. That is being decided right now in the leaked version of the uh, the draft version of the opinion, which his Dan Bishop's argument was it's wholly inappropriate for the committee to be engaging in this kind of work while the Supreme Court is deciding the case because it's quite obviously intended to what 
impact the decision, to sway justices. It's inappropriate. That was the premise of his argument two weeks ago. And then he went into a line of questioning with the three witnesses, quote unquote, that were called into this hearing. Ms. Scanlon said a few minutes ago that, uh, that this hearing is called because of an imminent peril to the right of abortion. Professor Goodwin, I guess you're the only witness presented by the majority as having expertise in the law. Uh, do you unequivocally condemn the leak of the draft opinion? It is absolutely unprecedented that there is a leak, and it is a story. It is not the story of these hearings, but that is unprecedented. But no, I, I didn't. I, I'm aware it's unprecedented. That's factual. Many, many people have covered that. I'm interested in, in, as a matter of your expertise, do you condemn it? Was it wrong to leak the opinion? I believe that. I believe that the justices need to be able to deliberate privately, and I think that leaks such as this make that difficult. Thank you. Good Dr. Her. Robinson, uh, I noticed in your written testimony, you, you said that you use she, her pronouns. You're a medical doctor. What's a woman? It's important for you to understand why I said I use she, her pronouns. Well, I, I, because I, I understand I, 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 that I'm there explaining, are people... I was explaining why I'm asking the question, but I'd just like you to get an answer to the question. What's a woman? I think it's important that we educate people like you about why we're doing the things that we do. And so the reason that I use she and her pronouns is because I understand that there are people who become pregnant that may not identify that way. And I think it is discriminatory to speak to people or to call them in such a way as they desire not to be called. Thanks for that. So it's Can important that we respect each individual person. Are you going to answer my question? Can you answer the question, what's a woman? I'm a woman. And I will ask you, which pronouns do you use? Can you, can you If you provide, tell me that you use she and her pronouns, that, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to call you Mr. Bishop. I'm going to respect you for how you want me to, to address you. I, I'm just saying, so you give me an example of a woman. You say that you are a woman. Can you tell me, otherwise, a, can you tell me what a woman is? Yes, I'm telling you, I'm a woman. Is that as, as, a, as comprehensive a definition as you can give me? That's as comprehensive as a defi- definition as I, as I will give you today. I because see. I think that it's important that we focus on what we're here for, and it's to talk about access to I abortion see. So you're not interested in answering a question I ask unless, and answering a question that I ask unless it's part of a message you want to deliver. Is that right? I'm sorry. You're because not, I was talking and you were talking yes, at the ma'am. same time. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm right. I it's my, it's my time. <laughs> okay, it's my I just time did. to ask you questions. That's the purpose of it. I ask you to, to uncover things by asking you questions and asking you to respond. So you're not willing to answer a question unless it's part of a message you wish to l- deliver. Is that correct? Sir, what I was trying to explain to you is that I had a difficult time hearing you since we were talking at the same time. Right, let me just see if I can go to Ms. Arambide. Is that a pretty close approximation of the pronunciation? Arambide. Arambide. Okay. Um, what do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. Mm. Mm. Professor Goodwin, the, uh, the draft opinion says this uh, in part. The court has no authority to decree that an erroneous precedent is permanently exempt from evaluation under traditional stare decisis principles. Adherence to precedent is the norm, but not an inexorable command. If the rule were otherwise, erroneous decisions like Plessy and Lochner would still be the law. Close quote. 
Professor, isn't that inarguably true? Mustn't it be the case that all prior decisions of the court are subject to reevaluation? Well, it is certainly the case that we have in the legacy of this court, Dred Scott, Plessy v. Ferguson, they fell after Brown v. Board of Education. So the ability to be able to review is important. That's the ability to be able to review. It's another thing when the Supreme Court then strips away a fundamental protection that has been made, particularly given that the justices who may be involved in this leaked draft opinion suggested that they actually respected the precedent and sorry displaces associated with Roe when we were not talking about Plessy v. Ferguson or Dred Scott when they said that they respected that sorry decisis. Well, if those are examples, so Roe and Casey would be equally susceptible to reevaluation as Plessy. Would you agree? Well, and in fact, they certainly could be and be further expanded, and they have been. So one of the things we haven't talked about is that there is Whole Woman's Health v. Heller said, and even just a couple years ago, June Medical v. Rousseau, which this Supreme Court used to further uphold the principles of Roe v. Wade and also Planned Parenthood v. Casey. You're back. My time's expired. All right. Why did I play all of that? Because he got five minutes. He had three witnesses. Most of that time was spent talking about what? Legal. But to the Charlotte Observers, uh, Chris Seward? She didn't get that.